Well, Lord, this, uh, this time is uh, going by too fast. So, Lord, I, I pray that uh, we will be able to capture this moment and capture your love and capture your grace and to know how much you love us. We thank you, dear God. We thank you for your word, and we thank you, dear God, for your church, and we thank you for everyone in it from leaders who work out front and those who are behind the scenes and everyone in between. For those working in the community and those who are working side by side, teaching, ministering, caring, loving. And yes, even in seasons of life, those who are receiving your care and receiving your love. We thank you, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, sometimes experiences in life shed enormous light on the simple but profound truths of Scripture and the love that our Lord has for us. In the late 90s, Nancy and I traveled along the Atlantic coast, and we allotted one day to visit Charleston, South Carolina. What were we thinking? One day. The gardens, historic homes, Fort Sumter, history, great restaurants. One day. Over lunch, we discovered that we just happened to be in town on the one and only day that the historic mansions were having a candlelight tour. Who would have guessed that? We were there on that day. And we wondered... I wonder if we'd be able to get tickets for that. No need to think about that. We found out that to get tickets, we had to walk about 10 blocks away. And so after eating, we made a beeline towards that place where we could get those tickets. And along the way, knowing that way leads on to way, as Robert Frost's poem reads, we passed by a church. It was a beautiful church, and we decided to just dip into the building. How long could this possibly be? The doors were open and inviting. How long could we possibly take a look around that? Surely we'd be able to say, uh, just slip in and slip right out and then get our tickets. Little did we know that we would encounter one of Charleston's institutions, a person by the name of Arla. And so for the next two hours... Arla taught us lessons about life, hospitality, faith, and the Old South. Now, you know me well enough to realize that I tend to be on the impatient side. You know, plan and goal-oriented. Once something is decided, come on, let's do it. Let's get on with it. And so I was thinking, as we began this experience with Arla, come on, I thought inside myself. We've got to get those tickets, and we've got to get those tickets now. We want to be able to get on that tour. Arla had other ideas. She enthusiastically showed us around the only existing French Huguenot Protestant church in America. Here is where George Washington worshipped. And I couldn't help but think, not only did he have Huguenot ancestry, here is where George Washington may have slept depending on the sermon. And just as her tour concluded, she said, 
wait outside while I lock up. I'm going to give you a driving tour of downtown Charleston. Nancy and I looked at each other, wondering, what's just happening? What's going on? We stepped outside, and moments later, Arla drove up. Hop in! It was an old, beat-up Buick. As we slid into the back seat of the car, I noticed the dashboard with the engine warning light aglow. I held my breath. Downtown Charleston was nearing rush hour. She stopped in the middle of the streets, windows rolled down, of course the air conditioning wasn't working, and she started pointing out the window at this scene and that scene, that side, and oh, a great artist lives over here, and oh, you've got to make sure that we see that. And right in the middle of the road, stopping traffic, of course, but wonder of wonders, I didn't hear any honking horns. No one seemed to mind. Oh, that's just Arla, I imagined myself thinking. That's just Arla. This is what she does. Her arms outside the windows pointing at various things. What we didn't want to end finally ended. And we asked, how did you choose us, Arla? How can we possibly repay you? To which she replied, choose someone else and pass it on. John 15, 16 reads, You did not choose me, I chose you. On our way home from that same trip, somewhere along the border between Georgia and Kentucky, our muffler went out. The nearest town was Bowling Green, Kentucky, and it was a Saturday afternoon. If I take advantage of the hills, I was saying to Nancy, if I can just get it up to maybe 70 without making too much noise, maybe we can do some coasting through these up and down hills. The noise was incredible, ear-splitting. We finally arrived into Bowling Green, stopped at a gas station, and asked if they knew of a good place that we could get our muffler repaired. I was not hopeful. Saturday afternoon, shops start closing down. We pulled in to the place that was recommended to us. It was still open, thank God. Heads turned. Our problem was obvious. What I hoped not so obvious was the out-of-state license plates that we would be taken advantage of. Paula was behind the counter. She was drying a tear as she got off the phone from a hospital out of state. Her daughter had just been in a car accident, and we had a time of prayer with her. It didn't take too long before we started talking with the technician, and in fact, it was only about five or ten minutes before the car was hoisted up, and it was pretty bad. When the muffler work was finished, we expected a hefty bill. We walked back up to Paula, who crumpled up the piece of paper in her hand. Your money is not good here, she said. We protested. It won't do you any good. I'm the owner of the shop, and I can choose to do what I want to do. Just pass it along. And I thought to myself, how is it possible twice in one trip? 
hearing that same message. What are the odds? You did not choose me. I chose you. Sometimes we wonder why or how we are chosen. Sifting through my thoughts of what it felt like, I began to consider what must it have felt like for those disciples who first heard those words from our Lord and Savior's own lips. And so I began to consider those words, not only from the perspective of the disciples, but even from our perspective today. I wonder if the disciples felt disbelief at first. Who? Me? We buy into the world's view of things of what's the catch? I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. These sorts of things don't happen in the real world. They certainly don't happen to me. But when you're chosen, your view of the world can begin to change. Disbelief, I pray, gives way to awe. When you feel chosen, you have this pinch-me feeling. I don't deserve this. We didn't deserve the experiences in Charleston or Bowling Green. We were perfect strangers. How could we possibly be ones chosen to receive these blessings? And then it dawned on me that this is what God calls grace. Grace, by definition, is that undeserved, unearned, unrepayable gift of love. And there is a name attached to this grace, and his name is Jesus. God's grace extends to every one of us. I remember how I said, how can we possibly repay you? And the quick answer came back each time, you can't. And I suppose many of us spend a lifetime trying to repay the grace that God extends to us. But we can't. Because that is to cheapen the gift. And we tend to wrestle sometimes with the giver. This is a holy moment when we recognize that awe and accept the simple grace of being cared for and loved. Can you hear Jesus saying, I'm coming to you where you are, in your pain, in your joy, in your cares, in your comforts. I'm coming to you. You did not choose me. I chose you. Ah, then, I pray, gives way to gratitude, gratitude toward God, gratitude for the grace that has been bestowed upon us. Gratitude for the body of Christ. And many ways we encounter Him through prayer and through Scripture and gathering together and fellowshipping. The recognition of the Spirit, the lives of people, even strangers. And yes, even gratitude for faulty mufflers and tight schedules. For it was through these various things that we encountered God's grace. How does Paul write, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. No, they didn't have mufflers in Paul's time. But even in faulty mufflers and tight schedules, 
I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This can be a tough secret to accept. From gratitude develops an attitude of giving, not a cheap, stingy attitude of scarcity, but rather an awareness of generosity and possibility and abundance. Both Arla and Paula, to us, lived that out. But they lived something else out, and it may be strange to hear it this way, but I would call people like Arla and Paula evangelists. Maybe that's an unexpected word to hear about them. But they were open and free in being able to share their lives with us in ways that we did not expect. They were evangelists. Pass it on. Pass that love and grace on which you have first received so freely. Pass it on and give it to another person. This is a choice we make. There's that word again. I choose you. Out of an abundance of grace, God chooses us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that calls for a choice from us. Will we accept that love? As Peter writes in his first letter, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That, such a tiny little word, but so important, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Evangel Heights has been chosen for ministry to this community which you have faithfully committed yourselves for so many years. Evangel Heights has been chosen to receive an exceptionally gifted pastor in Michelle Cobb. Evangel Heights continues to be chosen for ministries that are yet to be revealed in this very different world that <laughs> even compared to a few short months ago. Evangel Heights has been chosen so that as it begins to reawaken from a world of quarantine, it will continue to be faithful in its call to equip, nurture, and reach out in the name of Jesus Christ to a world desperate, desperate for grace and love. Be that church, I pray, as you have already been, continue to be. So, dear God, I thank you. I thank you for 15 years here, but also for 45 years of sharing your word, sharing your love best I can with your help, with those who have crossed my path, thousands of people in those years. 
times of memorial services, of weddings, of baptisms, of celebrations, of difficult times. But I pray, dear God, always with a message of hope. Hope in you, our creator, our sustainer, and our redeemer. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.